Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So as the old song goes, it don't mean a thing. If you ain't got that ring, well, guess what? The Bucks are going to be handing out those rings to Tom Brady, the Lord of the Rings. That's coming up, that celebration. It's a private ceremony on July 22nd. That's just two days before the start of training camp. The Bucks start a few days early because, well, they start the season a few days early. They have the Thursday night NFL season opener against the Dallas. How about them Cowboys? And so uh, we now have a date for the gala. They have sent out a uh, save-the-date notice to their players or coaches, people in the organization, and uh, we don't know where it is yet. The venue has not been announced. I guess they have a couple places in town that they have sort of contracted with and, and have some deals pending. But you can bet that it will be a, uh, a very formal night. Um, I, I attended this one uh, from a red carpet standpoint back in the day um, when the Bucks won in 2002. In, in August, of I think it was 2003, July 2003, they had it at the Alicart Pavilion, which has since been sold uh, and does not exist anymore. Um, but I can remember that outside of just the, the winning the Super Bowl, like the night you win it, of course, is just a tremendous celebration and um, you know, the confetti and the whole, you know, hoisting the trophy and all that. This to me, the, there's the, there, there's the winning, there's the parade, which, pff, you know, try to top the Tom Brady, you know, uh, completing one avoc- final pass. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Toss, <laughs> tossing it across the river and then the avocado tequila parade, uh, hard to top that. But this is, this is the, 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 the one that, that, uh, really, uh, puts goosebumps on guys, uh, arms because, uh, you know, you, you play the, the highlight tape. Everybody's there for one final time. There are some guys that have moved on to other teams. They'll be invited because it, it's before the start of any training camp because the Bucks start first. And so, you know, it's really uh, it's really one final, one shining moment to to relive sort of what, what you accomplished in 2000. And then you get, you get the prize, right? You mm-hmm. get the box. And uh, you open that box, and it's going to be spectacular. I, from what I hear about these rings, I know the lightning may have may have set a new standard in terms of. I mean, it's hard to imagine, right? You could spend more money than Minnick did, right, on those things. Ooh, what sixty six thousand dollar appraisal value? I, on yeah, those, I, believe. I I find that hard to believe that 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 these are going to appraise for that. But you know, you never know. I mean, I, I would expect it to be. Um, representative of not just their last Super Bowl, but of the fact that they have two Lombardi trophies now. Very mm-hmm. often teams put the number of Lombardi trophies on the face of the ring. I think that that could be a possibility and probably something representing the fact that they made history by winning it in the home stadium in mm-hmm. Raymond James. I would think that would be a part of this. But just think about this now. Our sports teams in town in the last uh, April through July, the Rays have gotten their World Series or the AL Championship rings. The Lightning got their Stanley Cup rings, and the Bucks are getting their Super Bowl rings. So real. I mean, the amount of jewelry and bling in this town is oh, geez, at all time levels. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's incredible. And, and I mean, you know, this is the, I've, we've said it on this podcast. Everybody says it. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next twenty years. I don't know what's going to happen in twenty days after the last year we've been through. But 
I I find it hard to believe because I've done this a minute so of you that that there is going to be a a better time in Tampa Bay sports than there is right now with a team going to try to repeat as Stanley Cup champions and look like they're very capable of doing so with a Rays team that's leading all of baseball in terms of its record in the American League and with a Bucks team that returns 22 starters and Tom Brady um, to try to defend their World uh, or Super Bowl championship. It, it just – and they're all doing it successfully. In other words, you know, I mean, the Rays started out kind of poorly, but look where they're at now. The Lightning uh, 2-0 as we, as we do this podcast heading into – Game three against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, we're, we're taping this before Thursday Carolina night's hurricane. game. Yeah. So. yeah. So, I mean, I think I think all of that, um, plus just the excitement of this upcoming NFL season, whereby, uh, as we're starting to see fans come back in all the games now, which, you know, the stadiums are starting to look different. It certainly will at Amelie, and it did in Carolina. Can you imagine, because it's going to happen, a capacity, a complete sellout every single home game at Raymond James and predominantly, predominantly Bucks fans in that building. It's going to be wild. Oh, it's going to be an incredible season. Um, you know, as you're seeing Amelie get what up to tonight's game, supposed to have about 13,500, I believe. Yeah, that's you fantastic. Know, if, if the Lightning get to the next round, potentially it's a full house. Yep. Um, I, yep. I don't know what the thinking is at this point, but you're seeing some teams around the NHL doing that. The Rays yep. are opening up to what, 20,000 now in the stadium? That's correct. Um, so as as we get down the stretch with the Rays, if, if you got playoff meaning games or the playoffs, if they make Big it that series, far, yeah, you know you're going to see a sold out trop, um, mm-hmm. and finally getting to enjoy the success that these teams have had now for the last year plus. I mean, depending on the teams, I mean the Bucks last year, but the Rays have been good for a couple of years. The Lightning, of course, for six or seven seasons now. Mm-hmm. Um, but now getting to enjoy the fruits of that with championships and rings, and hopefully more of them coming this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all possible, and and it's just I'm glad those teams like the Lightning, um, like the Rays, have sort of duplicated where mm-hmm. they were a year ago, so that you know you get they you know the other thing is, and you can speak to this, Steve. I mean, they did this in a bubble, which is had to be incredibly difficult, right? I mean, they talked about the time away from home, all mm-hmm. of that stuff, and and yet I would think for the for the players, they had to have missed. Um, home or away, the the energy mm-hmm. that the crowd brings because you can pipe as much sound as you want to. Sound doesn't have energy, right? But mm-hmm. you can feel you can feel human beings getting excited. You 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 literally yep. can transfer that energy, and it's got to be it's got to be like cathartic for them to go like, yes, this is how it's supposed to feel. This is what we want. Let's win it, mm-hmm. you know, with with the fans in the stands so we can celebrate with them as as we accomplish this. Well, just to see those fans erupt and and all jump up at once for a goal. Or yeah. you know, when you're in the road and and everyone's going nuts and crazy and you score a goal and they all go silent it's and sit. Quiet. I mean, it's, yeah. You get that rush from either one of those. I mean, it's it's Absolutely. not just you know, the, the road crowd can fire you up too when you're on the road mm-hmm. of you know, sure. when you get to silence them or you get to to do something that gets under their their crawl and, and they start booing you or you know right. you lay a good check and they don't like it or you know whatever it is or um, just what they're yelling at you profanely well, yeah, absolutely I mean, <laughs> listen I still say this and, and Philadelphia as you know is one of the, the the best and worst sports towns in the world right <laughs> I mean listen I their fans give them this they're very passionate but Eagle fan can be in a profane way just grotesque at times. And and they were, you know, when the Bucks played up there in the NFC Championship game the year that they went to the Super Bowl. 
And, you know, Joe Jervicious, I'll never forget, you know, the tragedy that he had experienced with the birth of his son, who, who had a birth defect that eventually cost him his life a few months later. Um, and Joe wasn't able to, to join the team uh, until the day before the game. And it was a, it was a pretty public, you know, um, situation with him. And, 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 you know, not all, but some Eagle fans were saying the worst things in the world during warmups and had no problem doing it. And I still say that that motivated Joe. Joe Jervicious, for a lot of reasons, was just that kind of player anyway. But he caught a crossing route. They're down, I think, three to nothing. He catches a crossing route. I have never seen him run as fast as he did. He outran the entire secondary, which had an angle on him for a huge play. It had to be over 60 yards. And and, um, to this day, I think, you know, like to your point, when you're on the road, you hear things, right, that motivate you even from the opposing crowd. So, yeah, it's just – but it's just really cool that – and especially for the fans, right? I mean, what a what a difficult – you know, the most Tampa thing ever that their teams would, would be in championships and win championships in a year where very few, if any, could see them do it. And now we can, you know, see everybody enjoy that. So that part is really cool. But the ring ceremony – listen, I just want to see that picture of Tom. I hope Tom takes all the rings out of the vault like he did, like he did in New England. <laughs> you know he's going to, right? going to put those six on and then he's going to get that seventh one he's going to put that seventh one on the man's running out of fingers i mean he really is i mean if he wins three more I don't know, he's gonna start putting them on his toes he's gonna to take off but, those under armors and you know really have a sponsorship yeah. for it to uh you know put them there on the toes go. yeah i mean it's just it's incredible but i hope he does that i really do i hope that he you know that that he gives a gives us all a look at uh at all that jewelry but um yeah it's, it's going to be a great night and and like i said i look forward to seeing just the reaction of the players and and uh, the coaches and everybody that worked so hard to accomplish that. It's rare. You don't get to do it very often. It's the second time this franchise has done it. I think there's only like nine franchises that have won more than one Lombardi trophy. There's still some that have not won any. And it, it is really uh, a, a great a great thing to celebrate. So we have that coming up on July 22nd. That's a Wednesday. That's two days before the start of training camp. And then uh, pretty soon here, even before that, on July 14th, they will announce which game uh, in which Monty Kiffin, the Bucks defensive coordinator, will be inducted into the Ring of Honor. He was elected uh, to that last February or February 2020, uh, but because of the pandemic and other things, uh, they deli- delayed the enshrinement ceremony until this year, which yeah, I think Monty deserves his day. There was no uh, better character, and certainly if you look at the uh, – you know, the consistency of a top 10, top five defenses when he was here under Tony Dungy and through John Gruden um, or most of John Gruden's years, then you can understand why um, he is so deserving. He He's still uh, uh, fun to talk to, and, and I can't wait to see all the players come back and celebrate his induction. It's rare for a coach, much less an assistant coach, right? Um, there's head coaches in the ring of honor, John Gruden, John McKay, um, Tony Dungy, but to have a defensive coordinator go in like Monty is really special. So uh, that'll be a fun time. So we'll know uh, coming up here pretty quickly here on July 14th uh, which game that uh, the Bucks will celebrate that. Also, uh, while we're on the, the Bucks talk right now, we're going to get to your questions in the mailbag segment in just a moment. We have some good ones, of course, for you as usual. But uh, one final thing, check out, if you will, in the Sunday Tampa Bay Times or online now, on TampaBay.com. I did a story on O.J. Howard, which, you know, O.J. Howard is probably one of my favorite players to, to talk to. I, I I guess I got to know him pretty well after he was drafted. I went to Alabama 
um, and hung out with his family and, and, and got to understand his story a little bit. He's from a very, very small town, uh, Otagwaville. Um, and it, it just, you know, it's kind of split evenly. If you know anything about Alabama football between Alabama and Auburn, it's literally like right in the middle, like, you know, uh, half the state on one side, you know, roots for Alabama, the other half for Auburn. But we know what OJ, you know, how he started out last year. Injuries have been a part of his story in the NFL. There's no question about that. But um, after Tom Brady came, I think he really did uh, recommit himself, you know, to fitness and, and, you know, to his focus and all of that and was off to a terrific start. And, you know, he was really had a, uh, a good rapport with Tom Brady. Had spent a lot of time off the field with him, even going out to dinner with him and his, and his wife. And so, you know, all of that kind of came to an end. On October 4th, they played uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, and there was about 11.05 remaining in the game. They were near the end zone. It was a game the Bucks fell way behind in and had to come back. And the game-winning touchdown, the one that put the Bucks ahead for the first time, was was a uh, pass to Keyshawn Vaughn, his only touchdown of the year. And that ball was supposed to go on a slant route to O.J. Howard, who had had a terrific game. But when he came out of his break, he just felt like somebody smacked him across the back of the leg, like you were taking a bat to him or something, you know. Uh, and he fell down, and he, and he couldn't really uh, put a lot of pressure on his on his foot. And so, um, of course, we know it turned out it was an, a torn, a ruptured Achilles, and that's a significant injury. Um, it takes about nine months to heal. So, you know, you go from just the absolute devastation of that, and, and then, of course, you know what you missed out on. We know the rest of the story now. He missed out on a Super Bowl run and all of that. But a week later, after his injury, um, he got to experience the uh, the birth of his of his first child. And it was eight days, actually, to be exact. And if you look at this, these pictures that we have of this little girl, if your heart doesn't melt, I don't know what we'll do it. But um, Kaliana Mia is her name. And um, him and his girlfriend, um, Chanel Sideboard, had her. And they, they call her Callie. But it's a story about how, you know, there are blessings that come along at the right time. Children are always a blessing. But she came along at the perfect time for her dad. And if you're a professional athlete and your child is born during a season or a busy off season or whatever. Sometimes you don't get to spend the sort of time that that you that you'd want to spend with a newborn, uh, where so much of that bonding takes place. And OJ, you know, turned uh, his situation into one where um, he could take advantage of that. And uh, you know, I, I just the stories he tells about her sitting on his lap on fall Saturdays while they're watching Alabama games and. You know how chill she is because you know anything about OJ. He's about as laid back as you can get without being horizontal. Um, so I, I just think that uh, it's a neat story. Talk to his girlfriend. Uh, talk to OJ and OJ's family is one that you know his dad. He teases Brady all the time. His dad is Tom Brady's age, <laughs> and um, his his mom and his dad have uh, adopted a couple of foster children that they had, and they're now their children. And so it's just a, it's a loving family that. Uh, you know, that, that has done a lot for kids and, and now he has one of his own. And so it's how, you know, he's managed fatherhood and the game of football and his comeback. You know, he, he expects to be ready for the training camp. I don't know what, it, what if anything, he'll do in the mandatory mini camp, you know, coming up uh, on June 7th. But it's, there's a possibility that he might do something 
Um, but we'll just have to see. But but everything has gone gone great with the rehab. And listen, if they can get OJ Howard back to go with, you know, Gronkowski and Cam Brait, um, you know, and those tight ends with all the other weapons that they've added uh, or that they have returning, and and then you know guys like uh, Giovanni Bernard. I mean, this offense is only going to be even better because you know if he can stay healthy, he's proven that he can be a really a great weapon. So. Check that out on uh, tampabay.com. You can read it now, or you can uh, watch for it in your Sunday Tampa Bay Times. All right, so we got a bunch of uh, questions in the mailbag. Yeah, and we'll start with the Rays here, who, as we're taping this podcast, are leading 9-2 to two in the 7th, as Aaron Boone had to remind the, the umps that uh, he's got a bunch of savages on his side, and he got thrown out. So, <laughs> uh, What was that all about? What was he complaining I'm about? I'm not even Balls sure. And strikes? I'm not even sure what he was complaining about. I mean, uh, we've got it muted, obviously, as we're sitting here watching it. Well, I watched, I watched a good part of the game, and one thing I thought that, uh, that they that – I think the umpire squeezed uh, a couple batters earlier in the game uh, or a couple pitchers for the Yankees, and they resulted in, in some great – you know some great uh, uh, rallies and um, a couple home runs and and you know where they thought they would have been uh, out of the inning that sort of thing. So just watching the game, I think maybe he had a problem with the home plate umpire in his strike zone. Um, but you know it's the same for both sides, as they say. And well, if you uh, get those savages was... out, obviously it's not fair. So <laughs> well, listen, they're they're struggling. I mean, the funny thing is, I mean, the Yankees have 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 whatever they've done this year successfully, it's been because of their pitching. Their pitching has been very, very good. You know, so from that standpoint, they just haven't put together a lot of great at-bats. Now, they did the other night. They, I think they worked the Rays for about 180 pitches. I mean, every, mm-hmm. every count was three and two. Um, but they just haven't got enough guys going very well to, to, uh, to put together hits. And, um, you know, the, the Rays, if they, man- if they manage to hold on and they split this series – um, you know that that's what you want to do on the road. So they, you know, they had a chance. The Yankees had a chance to win three out of four. The Yankees put a st- or the Rays put a stop to them in the afternoon game. So good for them. It's been a nice run. Yeah. Well, Brian had asked, is it fair to state that the Rays will only go as far as G-Man Choi is healthy? Since his return to the lineup, the Rays have been much more productive. Well, I, listen, I think that 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 guy has um, been a huge uh, boost for them and. You know, he we've talked about this how he lengthen, lengthens the lineup for them, and and I think he just adds energy. You know, after losing a guy like Willie Adamas, I think they're fortunate that G Man came back because he he sort of is provides the fun to that clubhouse, the energy. Uh, you know, it is a business, it is a grinding business, it is, it is tough day in day out. You know, to battle uh, your own personal demons and um, you know uh, you go through slumps and ups and downs and things like that. And G Man is always always seems to have a good attitude, and he swung the bat as well as anybody. I mean, I, it's hard to believe that this guy, you know, had to go out, had abbreviated spring trainings and, and you know, kind of in and out uh, of rehab, and, and he comes up here to the majors and gets not just hits but big hits, huge hits, and started from the first at bat that he came back. So I don't know that they're going to go as far as he takes them. I think this team is still built largely on pitching and defense. Um, you know, like this Yankee series, they did not hit very well until the last game with runners in scoring position, to say the very least. But they managed to be in every game. They they play a lot of close games, and and again, I think it's the pitching that keeps you in that. Um, but you know, he he has definitely helped their lineup. And if Zanino continues to hit, obviously Austin Meadows is red hot right now. Five RBI just, on Thursday. Yeah, five RBI and just, you know, he had such an enormous month of uh, May in terms of hitting home runs, and he's continued that now. 
I think he's got like what fourteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know he's he's back to his form from two years ago in terms of driving the baseball. So I I mean, look this this Rays team is as as uh, the late Denny Green would say they're who we thought they were. Um, they're one if not right now the best team in America. Are they always going to be this hot? No, um, but I'll tell you what. Barring some injuries, um, and especially to a guy like G Man, who also you know plays a pretty good first base when they need him to, even mm-hmm. though I think Diaz has done a nice job. So, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know that I expected the the team to sort of turn around. Maybe it coincided, but I don't think it's an accident that he's in this lineup and they're hitting the ball again. Well, he also gives you great at bats too. Even even the bats he maybe gets out or. You yeah, know, doesn't get that big hit, but he sees a lot of pitches. He always has a good at bat. You know, you never sit there and go, "Oh, that was a bad at bat by G Man." Um, no, even the know. other night against Chapman when he came mm-hmm. in, you know, he, he mm-hmm. went three two on him, but man, he fouled off a bunch of pitches. He ended up striking out, but yeah, he was grinding it. Yep. Matt had asked, at this point, is the only way the Rays stay in Tampa Bay without splitting a season with Montreal or moving is if Stu Sternberg were to sell the team? Is that even a possibility? Well, I don't think Stu is going to sell the team. A possibility, I guess anything's possible, right? If you got the right offer, my someone, house is Someone pays the right price. That's right. My my house, I always say this, my house is not for sale. I have just spent two years uh, redesigning it and doing a lot of different things, and uh, I have no intentions of selling. If someone walks to my door today and wants to offer me a million dollars, maybe a little south of that, I would probably be packing my bags. Um, you know, so... Yeah, there, everybody has a price. Is is he is he putting it up for sale? Does he want to sell it? No, I don't know. As far as like, is the only way they stay in Tampa is if Stu sells or they take the Montreal plan, etc. I still don't see how that plan is viable. I might I might be in the minority. I really don't know at this point. I think it's hard to build one ballpark in one city in this country, much less two ballparks in two. Now I recognize. Maybe you wouldn't need all the bells and whistles if you're only going to play here from February and spring training through the end of May or May. Um, maybe there's an outdoor stadium in that scenario, and, and, and there's ways of, of lessening that commitment from a public money standpoint. Um, but then you also have to question who's going to make that commitment if you're only here for half the time. And I'm not saying it's 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 not possible. I, I would – I would just point out, and I know that this was not Tampa Bay's team or Montreal's, but you know, watching the Toronto Raptors, watching the Toronto Blue Jays be homeless for a season, I, I gotta believe. There's no reason not to believe that that didn't hasn't had and continues to have an impact on the, on the on the men who play the game. These are human beings. These are people that have families, wives, mortgages, kids, uh, schools. You know, all those things are difficult to figure out. For a baseball player, much less if, if he's really sort of in two places or homeless, as the case may be, uh, with, with the Blue Jays or the Raptors. So, um, you know, to me, there's a competitive disadvantage, not an advantage. I know that Stu likes to talk about how great it would be, you know, for both cities and, you know, uh, you know the sister city idea. And you could go to Montreal and they could come here, and, uh, you know. We're not talking about the player. I still want to hear from the players. I still want to know what they think. Now, Anything can be cured with enough money, right? I mean, you know, you pay somebody enough money, they'll do almost anything when it comes to playing sports. But you know, you see the you know NFL is going to add seventeenth game. Um, one day they may have eighteen. Uh, you know, so anything's possible. But I, I just I still believe, and we won't know until maybe 
the zero hour, right? When when the leverage is all gone and they got to make a decision, we still may see the best um, offer come forward. And I know there's going to be a new mayor. I know in St. Petersburg, um, I know there's they're hoping for talks again. So I'm not ruling out that they don't figure this out either in Tampa or St. Petersburg. I think it's more likely that they stay. But there are cities out there, there's no question, that would love to have a Major League Baseball team. How, but how many of those of late have you seen, you know, how many franchises have you seen move? You've seen it in football. We've seen franchise movement a lot in football in terms of the Chargers leaving, you know, San Diego and going to Los Angeles, uh, you know, the Rams moving back to L.A. from St. Louis. You know, that, that has occurred. Those are stadium issues. This is a stadium issue. But football to me is a, is a I don't know, it, it just seems like an easier sell in some respects. I, I don't know why. It just does. You just don't see a lot of baseball teams moving. Baseball's had one team move since 1972. Right. That was the Expos right. to, to Washington. Yeah. yeah, so why, you know, and you may see the A's move. I mean, look, I think they're right there with, with Tampa Bay. They may be a few paces ahead of them in terms of franchise Well, here's movement. the other thing, too, and, you know, baseball would prefer both teams stay put mm-hmm. uh, for several reasons. One, you know, San Francisco's top five television market, granted, you know, you've got two teams there, the Giants and Oakland, but that market's one of the biggest television markets. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay is like the 12th or 11th biggest market. 11th. If you add in mm-hmm. Orlando, it becomes a top 10, essentially which the right. Rays do very well in the Orlando market. Right. So what market are you looking at? Vegas, San Antonio, Portland, Nashville, Nashville. Charlotte. Those are all Small. in the mid-20s or lower television markets. Yep, 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 yep. Particularly in Tampa, and this area is growing fast. It's not, it's not, like, fast. It's not like it's where it is and it's not growing. This the whole state of Florida is growing. I mean, it's adding how many hundreds of people a day essentially are moving to Florida. So – you know, and, and secondly, with baseball, they would like to expand two teams. If Oakland and Tampa Bay move, there is two less markets available to bid on expansion teams, which the NHL got $500 million from Vegas and $650 million for Seattle. What do you think a baseball team would, would garner for expansion fees? Billion and a half dollars? Be huge, yeah. You know, that goes directly in the owner's pockets, by the way. Yes, it does. So billion, billion five, let's say, divided by thirty teams. How many? How many millions of dollars is each owner pocketing because of expansion? Right. And if you do that for two teams, that's maybe you're at three billion dollars. But mm-hmm. if say Vegas or Nashville both have teams moved to them, there's two less markets that have a chance to bid. Your expansion fees go down. Yeah. So baseball would prefer teams stay put, and you've seen that over time, where the only team that's moved in the last forty, almost fifty years is the Expos, which baseball had to basically buy and then move right. to, to D.C. Right. That's the only team they've moved. Baseball teams have stayed put, while other sports, football, basketball, hockey, have had a lot of teams move. Baseball mm-hmm. doesn't want to move teams. Oh, and what what was that city again that, that, that moved? Montreal. Montreal. Mm-hmm. And where does Stu Sternberg want to move? Montreal. Listen, I mean, it, you know, it'd be like if, if Tampa Bay were to lose the Rays, do you think the next uh, expansion yeah. opportunity would be Tampa Bay? Probably not. Well, unless, um, some, unless you've got somebody here that's going to come up with enough cash to do that, then yes. But Right. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, you no. know, you have, you have a team, so. No, I don't think baseball wants to move. That does not mean Stu doesn't want to move. Oh, I'm convinced Stu wants to go. Right. Well. Yeah. Or build, or have somebody build him a, a you know all the bells and whistles stadium with public money. I don't know if Stu so is so set on I want to move. He wants 
the best stadium deal he can get, whether it's here, Montreal, two stadiums, move to Nashville or wherever else. I, I don't know he's convinced he wants to move. I think he's just looking for the best deal, period. So is you know, I think he's more willing to move than baseball is. I'm not saying baseball w- wouldn't let them move the team. And baseball has to approve anything, any moves. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a long way from over, and especially with the new mayor coming in St. Pete and – you know, but the thing is, is wherever you move, there's not a lot of public a- appetite for public spending on stadiums right now. Yeah, I don't care what city you're talking about. There's mm-hmm. so many problems in these cities, um, whether it's police, uh, schools, you know, fire, you name it. I mean, Hillsborough mm-hmm. County. I mean, even Hillsborough County, the county of Hillsborough. When you look at their school system and the number of of people they had to lay off, teachers and administrators, mm-hmm. and the millions and millions of dollars they had to get take out of their budget. Um, school buses, you know, uh, not being able to uh, to be as widespread for pickups and things like that. I mean, you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, a, a real day-to-day problem. I know we all get wrapped up in sports because mm-hmm. that's what we do, right? I get paid um, to, to cover sports, and, and, and it's, I've been a fan for my whole life, but it's, it's been how I feed my family. So I'm, I have a different perspective than, than – but the general public – I mean, what is it, one out of three, right? I mean, we, we tend to think that we all are sports fans. We're not. Um, people have lives, and they have a lot of other priorities that, that aren't related to uh, to baseball, football, or basketball, or hockey. And so, um, you know, uh, you have to consider all of that. And, and it is. It's difficult, I think, for any metropolitan area um, to devote a, a, a lot of – and it does take a lot of public money unless – there is, you know, I think the stadiums, some of those that have been built of late, um, I always go back to San Francisco's. If you have a developer who's sitting on property that wants to uh, raise, um, you know, the, the area wants to raise its uh, property tax rates, if, if that developer uh, wants to develop the land around a stadium and, and get businesses and um, make his property more valuable uh, because of, of the arrival of that stadium or the construction of that stadium, sometimes. Uh, a developer will will find it in their best interest to partner with a major league team or a city or both um, to help that happen. It did. It worked in San Francisco. So I I don't know how these deals get done. My experience is they don't get done until the very end, until the leverage is, you know, one team or the other, but like in one side or the other. But it's it's zero hour, and I think this will come down to that. I really do. I can remember, you know, the Bucks, or I'm sorry, the 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 the, uh, the Rays. Or St. Petersburg was trying to attack the Chicago White Sox, and Comiskey Park was crumbling around them on the south side. And the governor of Illinois, they were gone. I went up there. I interviewed everybody. The White Sox were going to take this deal because the you know the trop um, was already constructed, and they moved. They had a legislative meeting, and the state had to put up the money for the new Comiskey Park, and they moved the clock back. It was supposed to be over at midnight. If it got to midnight. The governor went up there and literally moved the hands of the clock backwards until they could get a deal for the new Comiskey Stadium. So, and we built stadiums all over the country uh, using being used as leverage. So I think, I just think it's going to come down uh, to the last minute. And 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 if I had to, if you had to, if I had to guess, the Rays will stay here. I don't know where. When I say here, I don't know if it's Tampa, St. Petersburg. I think at the end of the day, they end up staying in Tampa. I just I've always believed that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, we'll switch to the Lightning. And as we tape this, it's before Game 3. So Game 3 will already be done by the time you're hearing this. But uh, Brian had asked, the Lightning will now face their fifth goalie in the playoffs as the Carolina Hurricanes are going to Peter Morozik instead of Alex Nedeljkovic for Game 3. What does this show more about how desperate both opponents are because they went down 2-0 at home, or is the other team hoping to find a hot goalie to get wins? You know, the Morozik thing, I mean, I you know, when you watch those games that the Lightning won up there, I don't know that you could really say – I mean, there was one goal that might have been a, a little soft in, in game the one. The second goal of game one that yeah. was the game winner. Uh, yeah. yeah, that Nukovic one. Nukovic would like that one back for sure. That one you'd like to see him get back if you were him. But, um, I mean, they're low-scoring games. Um, you know, there's there's been some, some good shots. The, 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 the Florida Panthers, they, they, they had a two-goalie system. I mean, in other words, they weren't – you know, this wasn't something new to them. They had mm-hmm. they had played a couple of goalies all year. Now, when they turned to the kid, you know, and he turned out to to win a game for him, um, I just think that's you know they they just had a lot of confidence in him and, and wanted to put him in that situation. And he responded, so they gave him the next game. So that might have been a little bit of desperation there, but in this instance, I'm not sure why they're going to Morazic. To be honest with you, maybe just because they're down. 2-0 and hope I think teams do that when they're trying to turn their fortunes I think that what can you change right you can't change all the defensemen or all the forwards or all the center I mean you know you can change your goaltender it's sort of like quarterback but maybe they're looking for a spark I suppose I mean Mrazic's had plenty of experience in the playoffs before I think it's yeah and he's had some success against the Lightning back in 15 and 16 when he was with the that's Red right Wings. Um, that's right I, yeah I think it's purely just looking for a spark at this point you're down 0-2 on the road Nadelkovic is not why you've lost this, the two games. I mean, maybe you could say game one because he gave up that game-winner goal that you'd like back. But the fact is they've scored two goals in two games, and you're not going to win many playoff games doing that. I mean, playoff games generally aren't 5-4, to four, but you'd like to get three goals a game to win. And, you know, and, the, and the Hurricanes aren't getting it. The Lightning are playing very good defense. And, mm-hmm. and you, you know, maybe the Lightning aren't scoring as much as they'd like, but they're defending really well. Yeah, and, and while Carolina had a lot of shots in Game Two, there weren't a lot of Grade A scoring chances out of those shots. No, you know that the Lightning have defended very well in this series. Uh, I think it's just purely looking for a spark, looking for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you know, maybe in talking to Nadelkovic, he just needed a break. I mean, you you know, you're not in that room, you're not in those conversations. But I, I think it's really just look. The Lightning are in a enviable position. When you look around the league, how many teams go back and forth with goalies and that? There's no question at Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, right. you listen to to pregame scrums, you know, the press conferences of all the teams, and you know, Vegas is it going to be Flurry or is it going to be Leonard starting? Mm-hmm. Carolina is it going to be Mrazek or Nadelkovic? Florida, you know, which one of your three? The Islanders are going back and forth on goalies. The Lightning, you never even ask that question. It's never who's in goal tonight because you know it's Vasilevsky. You know, when you have a goalie that good, it's a very enviable position because there's never a question of who's going to be back there. Even if he has a bad game, you know he's going to be back there for the next game. Period. And it's it's you know it's it's for the Lightning and in particular the defense, but even the whole team because you know in the playoffs defense is about all all five skaters on the ice, not just not just the two defensemen. But you know who's back there. 
you know how good he is, and it makes playing in front of him so much easier because of that. I think it's. I think he's everything. I think he's the reason they're on this run. I think he's the reason they won the Stanley Cup a year ago. I'm not saying they don't have great players. I'm not saying that they don't mm-hmm. have, you know, Nikita Kucherov is one of the best in the world because he is. But from the limited knowledge I have of hockey, man, when you got a guy that's the best in the world as a goaltender the way Bassey is, and he somehow here's the other thing, Steve, he steps it up in the playoffs. Like he's mm-hmm. even better. Now the Florida series was crazy, right? It was up and down. Um, I don't think they defended very well as a team. I think they got into a, a track meet with a thousand odd man rushes and, and he wasn't able to stop as many as he is now. But when they commit to playing well around him and, and even in those games, they're going to give up about three or four odd man rushes or some chances where, you know, Fassie's just going to have to stop it. You know, he's and they and they rely on that. And he and more times than not, almost every time, in fact, he comes through. And that is such a luxury that other teams don't have. You know, so many times you make a mistake. It's in the back of your net with Vassy. It's not automatic. It just isn't. In fact, it's it's pretty damn impossible to do even when you do have the man advantage. So I, I've just never seen, you know, a team you know, rely on him. And he, and he, he starts their offense in, in terms of, you know, their defensemen can pinch up. I mean, it's just so many things he makes happen for them. Um, but it's difficult, man. I mean, th- don't you think, too, that it gets into the heads of the other teams when he plays the way he plays in the postseason? Don't you think they squeeze the sticks a little harder? I think sometimes I think sometimes they look for the perfect shot and then miss the net or yeah you know you're don't, you're, you're trying don't to shoot enough. You're or, trying to you be know. so fine with your shot at times instead of just putting yeah. it on net at times. Right. Um, yeah, I absolutely think. I mean, it is such. It's you know because you get to the playoffs and and you know there's usually only one or two other games on in hockey. So if you follow mm-hmm. a lot of the beat writers around the league, you know all of a sudden now they right. have to watch whole games or series of your team that normally you know they see twice a year when you play that whatever team they're covering. Yeah. And the amount of people just that I've seen on Twitter, you know, beat writers and the hockey people around the league just going, Vasilevsky's not even human. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's just, I mean, he, they just sit there and marvel at how good he is and how calm, how he calm, and how he overcomes mistakes that the defense makes. And not that they're making a ton of them because they're actually no. playing really good defense right now. But yeah. but when they do make a mistake, you you know, it, it, you don't have to panic because you know who's behind you, right. and there's a good chance he's going to stop it, even though I just screwed up or made mm-hmm. an errant pass or whatever it is, you know, whatever yeah. I did that I shouldn't have done in my own end. I know who's behind me and it's okay. And it gives you confidence to go make plays too. Absolutely. And, and I can see, I think he's, what is he? 97 out of, or something like 90, 97 is last 99 shots or something. There you go. Yeah. Something crazy about it. I mean, 97 out of 90. I mean, they think about those numbers they are just, and maybe they weren't all great scoring chances, but still you're Some stopping were. them somewhere. Yeah. There's shots on goal and a lot of them were great shots and a lot of them, a, a, a normal goalie or a very good goalie or an above-average goalie may not have stopped them. He's the best in the world. He he right now is the best in the world. And if he wins a Stanley Cup, if he wins two Stanley Cups in a row, the way he plays and the reason why they win and he's in, in like the the amount of confidence he gives that entire team and how he he turns these games. I mean, you're talking about he's still what twenty five years old, twenty six years old. I mean, the guy's, you know, a relative, he could play another 10 years. Yep. You know, I mean, think about the career, the, the resume he's put together already. He's a Hall of, almost a Hall of Fame goaltender, you know? 
He went two Stanley Cups, and, and he, he could have won the MVP last year, right? Well, and we know he's a finalist for the Vesna Trophy, which is the best goalie. That would be for, his second, for the, right? But he's the finalist for the fourth straight year. No one's done that since Martin Brodeur yeah. was nominated five straight times as a finalist, which is you know, 20 incredible. years ago or so. Right. I think Brodeur is the best example, the best comparison is the arc that he's on right now. You hope. I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, look, you know that you've got a lot of this lightning core locked up for a while. I mean, you know, from Hedman to Kucherov to Point to Sorelli. You know, the young players look pretty good too, right? And, oh, yeah. I mean, they, you know, Russ Colton. And... Russ Colton. Matthew Joseph's had a good year this year. He hasn't played in the playoffs yet. But, right. um, you know, you know, you've got a lot of this core around and you've got Vasilevsky back there. I mean, there's no reason to think this team isn't going to be competing for championships for many years to come. As long as he's between the pipes, you got a chance. Simple as that. Now look so, at yeah. Montreal with Carey Price and how they upset uh, Toronto. There you go. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I think they're going to be fine, and I, and I imagine they're just trying to shake it up with Mrazek. Yeah. Brian had asked a second question about the Lightning. He said, "If David Savard can get healthy enough to play, do you see the Lightning defense getting even better?" Well, I mean, they traded for him for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they want him on the ice. So, yeah, the answer to that is, yeah, they've gone what they've gone short with some defensemen, I think, because of Savard being mm-hmm. out, right? Well, Luke Shen has stepped in, and I think Luke Shen has played very well in the series. Right. Um, I, I think, as we saw through the Florida series, I think Savard was finally starting to get his feel for this team. And, and you know, it seemed like, you know, most of the regular season after they traded for him, we know Savard's a good defenseman. He's not the fastest. He's not the fleet of foot. Right. But you could see he was thinking on the ice. And mm-hmm. so everything was a tick slow for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look, he's never going to skate up the ice like Headman and, and that. But but his decision-making, you know, it's where do I go with this puck? Where Where's where's my teammate supposed to be? Where's my partner? Where's, you right. know, it's a different system than they run here in Columbus. And mm-hmm. it seemed like, particularly in the Florida series, he started to find that groove. And he started playing some of his best hockey with the Lightning. Mm-hmm. And then he gets hurt. And, of course, he's going to miss game three again tonight. We're taping this beforehand. But uh, yeah. John Cooper, it says, going to be same lineup. So he's going to be out again. I don't know when he'll be back, although he has skated in practice a couple times this week. So, um, But anytime you can get a defenseman of that caliber back, yes, it should help you improve your defense. Although I think Luke Shen has done very well filling in in his, his place, and I don't think you've seen a huge drop-off. I think they're playing very well defensively in this series. Uh, that's an understanding. I mean, this last game, if you could, if you could copy that template, you know, you'd, you'd win the series four zero. Um, simple as that. Um, you know, the, the the thing about when you win two on the road, I mean, it's very hard to come back right and win the next. You know, four out of whatever is it going to be, uh, four out of five uh, to win the series. But um, I d- I do wonder, like, when the Lightning are at home, whether or not. Th- there's pressure. No, pressure might not be. I, I would always want to start a series on the road, by the way. I don't think home ice is very good for you because you have to play at home. And there's an expectation you're going to win. And when you don't, it's sort of like a huge deflating thing, right? If you lose game one on the road, everybody's like, all right, well, see if they can get you know get one of these and then you've got home ice back. Um, lose game one at home and then all of a sudden you're gripping for game two. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder if the Lightning don't try sometimes to put on more of a show for their home crowd. I, I I don't know if that's been a thing or not. I really don't. I don't have no evidence to, to, to prove that or disprove it or whatever because um, they're playing well both places now. But um, I, I would think that, you know, you're, you're, geek, you're a little more hyped up maybe with your home crowd. I yeah. don't know. I well, don't I mean, we had that stat not. after game three of the Florida series that they had lost six of their last seven home playoff games at Emily Arena. Now, since then, they went on and won that's game right. four and six against Florida. 
So they've won their last yeah, two going yeah. into tonight's so game. That's over, yeah. Yeah. So right. I, there may be some of that. I, some of it just may be, look, I mean, and now we're getting back to tickets and things like this, but you know, players have often said on the road, you just go and focus on hockey. At home, you've got the yeah. family, you've got ticket requests, yeah, you've got this, absolutely. you've got yeah. there's just lots going on. And to, yeah, I, I think particularly at the beginning of a series, the pressure's on the road on the home team. Well, the road the team, team comes in going, I just need to win one of two. Where the home team's going, I need to win both. That's right. And you start getting behind in game one, and then it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know? Right. So yeah, yeah I, I think the the pressure is. I, I think home ice and hockey is less than in the other sports for home court advantage or home arena or stadium, whatever That's you want to call it. What they say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, the Lightning, Lightning have played very well on the road in the playoffs under John Cooper. They have always been a very good road team on the playoffs. Yes, they have. All right, we'll wrap up on this, and we have a few uh, mailbag questions we'll carry over to next week too. But we'll wrap up on this one. Unless asked, Rick, what are your thoughts on Dan Mullen's contract extension? Do you feel he's worthy to be in the same pay grade as the likes of Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney? Um, no, I don't. Um, but you know, you make is you make whatever they'll pay you. I'm not begrudging what Dan makes. Good for him, but he's at like seven and a half million dollars, which is a lot of lettuce. Here's what I think about Dan Mullen. Um, I think he's done a a, a good job. You know. Uh, I was talking to Matt Baker about this, and he's right. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so for some people, they're like, wow, I'm really a big Dan Mullen fan. I think he's great. He's going to win us a lot of games and probably a national title. But here's the thing. You know, they've been to three New Year's Day six games. Okay, great. Uh, They've been to an SEC title game. They lost it. Okay, pretty good. They went eight and four last year. That's not good, right? It's just not. And... The thing is, I mean, he was hired to win national championships. The University of Florida would like to start by winning an SEC title. Well, to do that, you're going to have to get by Alabama one day, right? And that's that's difficult for anybody. But that's the league you're in, right? And none of it's easy. LSU. The other thing, he, Dan Mullen has lost two out of three to Georgia. If you can't beat Georgia, you can't get to the SEC title game, okay? And And I think that Kirby Smart – is putting together a pretty damn good program up there that's going to that's gonna give Florida all kinds of trouble over the next few years. So this is year four for Mullen. You know, you've had an entire, essentially an entire recruiting class now that, you know, could have been here from their freshman year to their senior year. Let's see now. Let's see. what This year is so important in my mind, maybe less so for the boosters who just gave them a, a big extension for a number of years. But in my mind, this will kind of tell the tale because, you know, Maybe Kyle Trask wasn't your Dan Mullen type of quarterback. Well, you got him now, right? Um, You've got your Dak Prescott. You've got your guy. I mean, the style of offense you want to run. We know the problem has been the defense. Did you make some substantial changes down the coaching staff? No. Um, You know, let's see. But I'm I'm not as crazy about Dan Mullen as probably Florida fans are. I I see him as a as a pretty good coach, maybe even a very good coach. I don't think he's done a bad job by any means, but I I do think there's a lot of stuff that comes with him, you know, the the showboating, you know, sort of the the antics uh, you know, on the field with other play like I all of that I I just don't I don't have any appetite for. Like just win games, man. But if you're the University of Florida, you know, you want to win a national title like Spurrier did, like Urban Meyer did. That's what you're here for. That's the bar. Sorry, that's the job you have. And until he can show that he can – we know he can win 10 games. Can you win 12? 
let's see you win 12 every year, you know, and get into that picture. So that's, that's sort of where I'm at with them on. I don't, I wouldn't have given him seven and a half million dollars a year. Cause I don't think he's in that, that conversation, but again, it's whatever Florida fan thinks or Florida booster thinks actually. All right. Thanks for your questions. Uh, we'll get to more of those mailbags uh, again uh, next week. And uh, it's going to be an exciting week. Of course, the Rays uh, are done with their series against the Yankees. They split that one and uh, we'll have, more comments about the Lightning series against the Carolina Hurricanes as we go on. It's going to be a busy weekend, so check us out again on Monday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.